Take your Bibles, turn to Genesis 18. Thank you for being here on a Wednesday night. What a great Wednesday night crowd, including all the hundred or more that's in the student building, uh, having teens and kids as well. And so amazing what God's doing here on Wednesdays. We had a great Wednesday morning service. Pastor Will did a fantastic job preaching to our Heritage Keeper uh, group, and we had a wonderful time of fellowship in the mill afterwards. So grateful to the Lord. I'm thankful for this time to be able to preach in here on a Wednesday night, and uh, you pray for Pastor Will as he's preaching to the teens. The men there in Myrtle, Mississippi, they're having a wonderful time. God's moving in a mighty way. Um, I talked to Pastor earlier today. I said, how's it going? And he said, have you ever stuck your tongue to a power line? I said, no, I never have, but I can imagine what that might feel like. So uh, I think God is moving in a special way down there and uh, encouraging our men. And I know Pastor Ralph stopped by on his way to his next speaking engagement, I believe on Tuesday morning, and they had a great time with them. And thankful for that opportunity for some of our men to get away, pray together, and uh, have that bond strengthened. I hope you've had a wonderful week. I know Wednesday, they call it hump day, so trying to get through the next few days, get to the weekend. It seems like the weeks go by faster and faster, but I'm thankful for this church. And on a Wednesday night, we can take a deep breath, look into God's Word. I had a different message when I found out I was going to speak tonight. I thought I would preach uh, something different, but God made it pretty clear this weekend, put a different message on my heart. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 18, familiar portion of Scripture, If you've started a yearly Bible plan reading, I know some of you try to read through the Bible in a year. We actually have the church's reading plans on the table. Great little thing to go by to get through the Bible in a year. And if you've done that, you've obviously been reading through Genesis. And you probably read this story. And so we're going to look at a few verses in Genesis chapter 18, verses 9 through 15. We'll actually probably go to 14. I know it's a little warm in here. Um, normally people are saying it's cold, but it's a little warm. So we are um, trying to adjust the temperature to make it a little more comfortable. Anytime in January I see people fanning out and, you know, it's a little warm, but uh, hopefully we can fix that a little bit. Look at verse 9, Genesis chapter 18. The context of this is... God sent three angels to appear to Abraham. And for most scholars, they believe that one of the angels, because of the way it's written, is the angel of the Lord. It's an Old Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, a theophany. And so we'll read about that in verse 9. It says, And they said unto him, this being one of the angels, Where is Sarah thy wife? And Abraham said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of surety bear a child which am old? 
Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. So these angels appear to Abraham. Abraham welcomes them into his tent, feeds them, refreshes them. And the angel of the Lord gives Abraham a prophecy and a promise and says that Sarah is going to bear a child. And Sarah hears it. She's out of the room, but close enough to hear the conversation. And her reaction is to laugh and to mock and to say, how in the world can this ever happen? And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord asked Abraham a question. And that question is found in verse 14. And the question is, is anything too hard for the Lord? And that's what I want to preach on tonight. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for this opportunity to be together one more time as a church family. Lord, everyone here tonight is here on purpose. God, you knew every single person that would walk into the door. You knew the message that would be preached. And God, I pray that you'd speak to the hearts. God, we all need a word from you. Lord, we need uh, some direction. We need some guidance. We need some wisdom. God, we in this life need you. And Lord, we ask you to speak to our hearts. God, I pray you'd use this message. Use me. I pray that people would see Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So the question is, is anything too hard for the Lord? And I think you know the answer. I think we all know the answer to the question. But just because you know the answer to the question doesn't mean you're going to answer it correctly. You know what I'm saying? My junior year of college, I walked into my Calculus II final exam. And I walked into the classroom knowing the answer to the two questions on the exam. They gave us the answers to the questions that was going to be on the final exam for my Calculus II course. And I went into the classroom in the administrative building at Pensacola Christian College, and I had and I knew the answer to the question. But just because I knew the answer to the questions didn't mean I was going to get them right. See, I had to show that I knew how to get the correct answer. And ten pages later, with work on the front and back, I turned in my exam with the correct answers that they gave me on the test. And you would say, well, you should make a hundred if you know the correct answers. Well, I didn't make a hundred. I made a ninety-five. And it's because I made some mistakes in getting to the correct answer and showing my work. You say, how does that apply to me? Well, you can know the correct answer to the question, but it doesn't mean you know how to answer it correctly. You can know the answer here, but it doesn't mean you can answer it correctly here. The question is, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And you know what the answer is. You know that the correct answer, the biblical answer to this question, the spiritual answer to this question, is anything too hard for God? The answer is no. Absolutely not. But just because you know that, doesn't mean you always feel like answering that. The broken marriage that's destined for divorce Is there anything too hard for God? 
Maybe. This might be it. What about the lost family member that has sat in service after service and has heard the gospel multiple times witnessed to them and they've never made a move toward Jesus? Is there anything too hard for God? I don't know. This might be it. What about the prodigal child who seems to be more and more rebellious? Is there anything too hard for God? Possibly. What about the personal battles you face with anger and lust and anxiety and depression? And it seems like each day you wake up, they do not get better, but they actually get worse. Is there anything too hard for God? Maybe. Just because you know the correct answer doesn't mean you can always answer it correctly. See, we struggle against this question for the same reason that Sarah laughed when the angel of the Lord said, you're going to have a child. It's the same reason Abraham and Sarah thousands of years ago struggled with against this question. It's because of the fear and the pain and the hurt and the disappointments and the feeling of hopelessness of your current circumstance. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I think I might have found it. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? We want to shout it with all boldness that we can muster. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No! We want to sound spiritual. We want to give the Christian answer. We, we want to give the Christian answer to our coworkers. We want to give the Christian answer to our family members. We want to give the biblical answer to our friends. Is there anything too hard for God? No! Absolutely not! But it doesn't always seem like that. Maybe just this one time, it's too difficult. Maybe this one problem is just too big for God. You ever had that thought cross your mind? Maybe this one mess is just too messy. Maybe this one hurt is just too painful. Is there anything too hard for God? Maybe. If you would be honest with yourself, if we can be honest tonight, we probably all have put our head on the pillow and maybe this exact wording of the question may not have came into our mind, but something to this has come when we've looked at a circumstance, situation, or a problem. Is there anything too hard for God? And you know what the answer is here, but when you're there in the quietness, all by yourself, it's hard to answer it. Even though you know it. There are just some situations... And you just don't know. I want you to notice five quick things from this story. Number one, I want you to notice the delay that Abraham and Sarah dealt with. The delay. You can look, we're going to stay in Genesis here for a moment, but if you look back at Genesis chapter 12, we actually get the first mention of Abraham and the promise that God gave him in chapter 12 verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And notice this, and Abram was 75 years old. 
turn to Genesis 21. Verse 5, it says, And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. I just told you I took calculus too, so I better be able to do this math. 75 and 100, subtract. God allowed Abraham and Sarah to experience a 25-year drought, a 25-year delay on a promise. He promised it in Genesis chapter 12, but it didn't come to fruition until Genesis 21. 25 years of waiting. God said, I'll make of thee a great nation. And in fact, He said, all the families of the earth, what a promise, shall be blessed. But He made them wait 25 years before they even had their own child, before they even had their own son. Why does God make us wait? I preached a message, I don't know, sometime last year on wisdom from the waiting room, and we talked about this a little bit. But the more I live, the more I understand that God constantly puts us in that waiting room. God puts a delay. And why does God do that? Does, why does God do that? Why does He allow that for one of His children? Because we hate it. Does anybody like to wait? Does anybody like going to Longhorn and saying, you got 45 minutes until we can get a table? No, I mean, that's the limit. you got to go somewhere else if it's 45 minutes. Does anybody even like, I mean, if more places ran like Chick-fil-A's drive through we could get a lot of stuff done because that's why I go there so much is because I don't have to wait. You get it in the drive through if Chick-fil-A ran our government, you're talking about a different way to, whoever did that, whoever figured that out, they've got it rolling. We don't like to wait. It's against our human nature to enjoy a delay. It really is a sport to me when I go on a road trip to try to beat the estimated time of arrival on Google Maps. It's kind of an extreme sport to me. You say I arrive at 5... Ben, I know you're with me. You arrive at 5.15? No way. I'm beating. I'm going to get there by 4.45. Of course, following the speed limit all the way. But, I, and then, you know what's terrible? Is when you start the road trip on Google Maps, and you're making great timing, and you've seen the estimated time of arrival come down a little bit. You've taken like 10 minutes off of it, David. And then what happens? A wreck and a delay of 30 minutes. Can anybody else give a witness how much that grieves your soul when that pops up? Because we don't like the delays. We don't like the wait. We want to get to where we're going. We want to receive what we're receiving. We want to get what we're getting. But here's one thing you need to remember. Divine delays will always lead to your divine destination. Just because you get somewhere good or you receive something good, but it's at the wrong time, may not be God's will for your life. One thing it would be good to remember is if you believe in God's providence, if you believe that God has a perfect plan for your life, then God will get you where He wants you. He may just have to slow you down. Because let's just be honest, sometimes when we get to going too fast is when we make the greatest mistakes. 
And we're going to look at that. That's exactly what happened to Abraham and Sarah. We, God uses the delays to also make us appreciate. If you always got what you wanted when you wanted it, you wouldn't be very thankful for it. And so God sometimes puts us in a 25-year delay so that when we finally get what we've prayed for, or we finally get to where we've desired, then when you get there, and it's taken 25 years, I will be a lot more thankful for the promise being delivered. I'll be a lot more appreciative for the gift. And really why God also does it is because when I have to wait for it, and I become more appreciative of the gift, I then become more appreciative of the person who gave it. I become thankful for God. But if I could just call on Him and get it when I wanted, just because it's I wanted it and I want it now, and if I got to get it, then I would just be like, oh yeah, it just is what it is. But not only the delay, but I want you to notice because of the delay, Abraham and Sarah made a decision. Look at back at chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. Who made the promise to Abraham? God. But isn't it interesting that even though God made the promise to Abraham, Abraham and Sarah still thought they had something to do with it? Just watch. Now Sarai, Abraham, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. When she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. What did they do? They took matters into their own hands. And a lot of times when we're dealing with the delays of life, that's exactly what we do. We make a decision that we can help God out, and we'll take matters into our, our own hands. It says there in the scripture that Abram, when Hagar was born, when, sorry, when, if you look at verse 16 of chapter 16, it says, And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. So, how old was he? Well, he was 86. When did he receive the promise? 75. So, after 11 years of waiting, 11 years is a long time. After 11 years away, they, they're not even halfway through to when they get the real promise, Isaac. But after 11 years, what do they do? They take matters into their own hands and they say, we'll figure this out for God. And notice that after 11 years of waiting, they say we need to help God out. It's a dangerous place for a believer to think that we can manipulate God's timing and God's plan. But when you're in the delay... Sometimes you become desperate and you think in your own strength 
and in your own power, in your own might, in your own intellect, we'll figure this out on our own. And we make excuses. Do you think Abraham and Sarah knew this wasn't the correct way? Do you think they knew before they made the decision this wasn't God's will? Of course. But isn't it amazing when it seems like God is silent that the enemy will give and whisper into our hearts and to our minds, hey, this decision, this choice, we go down a road we never were meant to go down, and then the decision always leads to the disappointment. We already read it. But what does it say in verse 4? It says that when Hagar conceived that her mistress was despised in her eyes. When we take matters into our own hands, we always mess it up. Always. When we try to help God out with our problem, because we're impatient and we're tired of sitting in the delay after 11 years of waiting, and we say we make a decision to take matters into our own hands, it always leads into disappointment. It always leads to us despising the situation even more. Did they help the situation at all? No. You can read the whole context later on, but these whole chapters, they made the situation worse. That's exactly what happens to us. And then, of course, eventually, because of the delay, leads to the decision, leads to disappointment. It causes doubt. And we read that. What happened when the angel of the Lord came to Abraham and said, Sarah's going to bear a child? It led to her to doubt. She laughed. She openly mocked, laughed out loud. And later on it says that obviously when God did deliver the promise and she did conceive and she brought forth a son and they named him Isaac. Isaac means to laugh out loud. And it was a reminder that her doubts, God still overcame. God still delivered. The delay led to a decision The decision led to a disappointment. And disappointments will always cause us to doubt. Think about how she doubted. She doubted physically. What was some of her reasoning? She said, I'm way past age. There's no way a woman my age can ever bear a child. It was physically impossible. She doubted emotionally. Can you imagine 25 years of waiting and delaying and being past the age of being able to conceive and still hear. We, we, may, we may look at Sarah and we may say, why would you do that? But can you imagine being in that situation and not having a child and constantly to be told that you are going to have a child? I mean, that's some bitterness and some anger that she probably dealt with. Just quit talking about it. Quit reminding me of this promise that you're saying God made to you, Abraham. I mean, that's real. She doubted physically, emotionally, and no doubt she doubted mentally. This, there's no way she couldn't figure it out. We've noticed the delay. We've noticed the decision, the disappointment that led to the doubt. But then finally, look at the delivery. Genesis chapter 21. Despite all of these things, and despite Abraham and Sarah doubting and even messing some things up, God delivered on His promise. In Genesis chapter 21, verse 1, it says, And the Lord visited Sarah as He had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as He had spoken. 
For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. And I have this phrase underlined in my Bible. What does it say? At the set time. Do you think God had that time set when he came to Abraham when he was 75 and said, this is when you're going to have a son? Do you think he had that time set then? Yes, he did. Do you think God had that time set when Abraham and Sarah said, we're going to take it into our own hands and we're going, how about you go into Hagar and we'll have children this way? Do you think God had this time set then? Yes. At the set time, what happened? It says, of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And we read verse 5, and Abraham was a hundred years old when his son was born unto him. Here's one thing I want you to remember from this message. God's deliveries are always on time. He's never been late. You say, you waited 25 years. He wasn't late. He was right on time. You know, it's interesting. We're talking about Sarah conceiving and bringing forth the Son. You know, that's a lot like God delivering on a promise for us. You say, what do you mean? Well, think about the birth of a child. What happens? There's a waiting period between the conception and the delivery. And what does God do during the nine-month waiting period between the conception and the delivery? Well, God in His perfect plan, He perfects, He forms, He designs, and He prepares the baby inside the womb. He prepares the child inside the womb for life outside of the womb. And you know how God does this? He does it all in the dark. And He does it all without you seeing it. Now, I understand. I've had two children. I've gone and saw the ultrasound. We get to see now. It's a lot different than what it used to be. My goodness, the details that you can see now of a baby being formed. How in the world could everybody even deny that that's not a human? How? With all the technology we have now. But all that's done inside the womb. And that's exactly how God works in our lives sometimes. God does the exact same thing. He's perfecting, He's designing, and in His time, He will prepare and deliver on His promise. And you may not see it, and you may not understand it, but He's preparing the promise for a perfect delivery date. Set for a certain time. So how can you face this question in 2023? That was just my introduction. I still got the message to preach. How do you face this question in 2023? That's great. We noticed five things from the story of Abraham and Sarah. The delay, the decision, the disappointment that led to the doubt, but thank God He delivered. So how does that work for you? It doesn't change your situation and it does not change your circumstance. The doubt could seriously still be in your heart. Because for some of us, no matter what age and what season of life we're in, probably in some area of our life, we are between, we're living in the delay and we're dealing with the doubt and the disappointment in some area. We just are. 
So how in 2023, we just started a new year, how do I grab hold to this question? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And how do I answer it, not just here, but how do I answer it here, facing some of the things that I'm facing? Well, number one, you can answer this question confidently because the Bible tells us the answer. We just kind of read a story, but the Bible tells us the answer. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth, and by thy great power and stretched out thy arm. And listen to what it says, and there's nothing too hard for thee. How can I answer the question, is there anything too hard for God? The Bible tells us. Matthew 19, 26, But Jesus beheld them, and He said unto them, With men, this is impossible. But I love this, With God, all things are possible. Luke 1, 37, We just came out of the Christmas season. How can this be, Elizabeth and Mary? that you'll be pregnant at the same time. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. How can I face that question? And with all confidence, no matter what I'm facing in this year, I can answer it, there's nothing too hard for God, because number one, the Bible tells us, but number two, not only does the Bible tell you, but the saints showed us. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Probably one of the most preached out chapters in all the Bible. How many times has this been referred to in a message? The Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11. But we just read the story of Abraham and Sarah, and God thought that story was so important that He wrote it, wrote about it again in Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 8. Notice what it says, through faith, also Sarah. You know, I was preparing for this message and I read that. And of course, I read this whole chapter just trying to get ready. And I got to verse 11 and it says, through faith, also Sarah. Can I just be honest with you for a moment? I kind of questioned God and I said, I think you might have got that wrong. Did you just read what I read in Genesis? Did Sarah show faith? Do you think she did? She manipulated She took matters into her own hands. And then when she actually heard out of the angel of the Lord's mouth itself, said, you're going to have a child. What does she do? She laughed and mocked. What are you talking about? You know what that makes me? Honestly, though, you know what it does for me, Mark? Gives me peace inside that if she can still have faith and act like that, that I can have faith. Because sometimes I'm skeptical and sometimes I'm doubtful and sometimes I act like Sarah. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, what? Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. I don't know when it was, but at some point in that whole journey for Sarah, she did something happen inside of her heart where she said, you know what? I may not understand it, and I may still have questions and doubts, but I am trusting in the God of my salvation, and He's going to deliver on His promise. That's what the Bible says. Because she judged Him. Who? God. 
who is faithful, who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one in him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky, multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them from afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Skip on down a few verses, but you can see how it goes on. It says, verse 17, By faith Abraham offered up Isaac. Another story there in Genesis, verse 21, by faith. Verse 22, by faith. Verse 23, by faith. Go all the way down to verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms? wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, parentheses of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth, And they, and these all, having obtained a good report through what? Faith. So how do you answer the question, is there anything too hard for God? Despite the situations and the circumstances some of you are walking through, and some of you are going to have to face tomorrow through faith. I wish it was, you know, don't you wish sometimes, you know, you came across something new, and it just sounded wonderful, and I could be the first one ever to tell you the secret and preach it that way and give you the truth. And that would be almost a lot easier for you to digest. Oh, this is something new. I'm going to try it. But it's nothing new. You already knew. It's by faith. You don't see it. You don't understand it. And in fact, there's honestly no proof for you to continue to wait. That's why it's faith. And then it goes on to say, in chapter 12, wherefore, that you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Literally, because you have the stories of all these saints of God who did not even have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, who was on the other side of the promised Messiah, who was on the other side of Christ, And yet they still through faith, seeing it, I believe the words were from afar off, not yet obtaining the promise that they could still go through and walk through these fires and these trials and still come out on the other side and in parentheses of whom the whole world is not even worthy of. Then wherefore, look unto Jesus in faith, the author and the finisher of your faith. That's how you answer that question. It's not going to be looking to me. It's not going to be looking to your husband or to your wife, but it's looking to Jesus, a fresh view, a fresh vision of Jesus. You say, how can I answer this question in 2023 with everything I have on me? Number one, the Bible tells us. I'm going to ask if you guys would go ahead and come and get ready to sing this song for the invitation. 
Number two, the saints showed us. Hebrews chapter 11. But number three, here's another reason that you can hang on to this question and you can answer it confidently and boldly. It's because I remember. The choir's been singing a song a lot recently. I think it was one of Miss Martha Martin's favorite songs, Miss Kim. We will remember. I think we sung it the past few Sundays, obviously at the funeral. It says, we will remember. We will remember. We will remember. We will remember the works of your hands. You know why you can take the question, is anything too hard for God? And you can answer it confidently. No, there's not. It's because I remember and you remember. You remember some situations in your life that you thought was too hard for God. But guess what? He delivered. I remember being a sophomore in college with more questions about my future than I had answers. Didn't know who I was going to marry. Didn't know what I was going to do for a job. I knew what God was speaking into my heart as a 20-year-old about ministry and being called to preach, and it scared me half to death. I knew some of the promises He made to me in the dark with nobody else around. And now, I'm 14, now 14 years later, I'm living a dream. And I'm reminded tonight that there's nothing too hard for God. I remember watching my mom battle cancer, not once, but twice. And she's sitting in the sanctuary tonight, cancer-free. And I'm reminded that there's nothing too hard for God. Harold, I remember me and Jessica driving down the mountain to Morganton, North Carolina, going to foster care classes, And I wondered in my mind, why in the world are we wasting our time? And does this even really matter? And a year and a half later from that date, God gifted us to be able to adopt a beautiful brown-haired, brown-eyed boy. We brought him into our home. And I'm reminded tonight that there's nothing too hard for God. And I remember sitting in doctors' waiting rooms, holding Jessica's hand, wondering if we would ever have a baby of our own. And tonight, when I get home, I will put two beautiful blue-eyed, blonde-haired girls to sleep tonight, and I'll kiss them on the cheek. And I will be reminded that there's nothing too hard for God. You say, what do you do when you face the question and you know the correct answer, but you just don't feel like answering it correctly? You know what you do in faith? You step out and you bring it all to Him. All the doubts, all the fears, 
all the pain. Listen, this isn't church language. I'm telling you what you have to do. You have to bring it all to Him. There was a season in my life that I didn't know what my future would be. I didn't know what my family would look like. I didn't know what ministry would be. And Darren, there were a few things that I would hold on to because I told God I could figure out better than Him. But I finally had to let go of all of it and I had to bring it all to Him. And they're going to sing a song for invitation. And some of you tonight need to find a place in this altar and you need to bring it all to Him. And if that's not the case, you need to remember when God delivered after a delay and He was still faithful. Listen to the words of this song. They're going to sing it in just a moment. But the words of this song, when trouble comes against me, I feel so overwhelmed. When it seems the more I've tried giving, my troubles seem to swell. And when I reach the end of me and my faith is growing dim, I hear a sweet voice whisper, just bring it all to Him. And I'll just bring it all to Him when no one understands. When you're looking for an answer, God always has a plan. When the burdens get so heavy and your sight is getting dim, oh, it sure is good to know that I can bring it all to Him. They're going to sing this tonight. If you need to come pray, I'm not going to have you stand. You come find a place in this altar. You let this song minister to your heart. Some of you need to bring some things to God tonight.
The second verse tears me up. Because I know what it's like to walk into the throne room of our Savior and you find that sweet relief. There's nothing like it. Listen, this world can have all the money and all the treasure in the world, but just give me the presence of Jesus. You can't trade that in for your kids. There's not enough toys and enough trinkets that you can buy to fill the closets and the garages for your children. But when they know that they have a mom and a dad that can get a hold of God, they know what it means to spend... in His presence. I want them to sing this second verse. And I would like to... You may have never heard this song before, but the words are on the screens. I just want to sing that chorus a cappella. You know what's true about this year? Saying that was true about 2022. There's going to be a lot of ups. And there's going to be a lot of downs but He's going to be faithful. That's all I know. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what next week holds. I just don't. But faith is over fear. So I want them to sing this second verse. And then as you see the words on the screen, let's sing this a cappella, the chorus. Don't leave here tonight without doing business with God. Sure, you've brought it all to him.
Pastor Allen, why don't you come close in prayer? I know a lot of times on Sunday, I wasn't even planning on doing this, but God just brought it to my heart. It's hard to know everything that happens on a Sunday morning. I don't think they're here tonight, but Sunday morning we had a miracle in the building. 32-year-old young lady that was on her deathbed in hospice care. God did a miracle in her life. In a hospice care, she started getting up and walking. She told her dad, I want to go to church. So she came to church. Me, Pastor Allen, Brother Mark and Miss Kim, Brother Doug, Pastor Will, Miss Debbie. We all gathered in Pastor Ralph's office and we prayed over her. And, um, you know, it's just a reminder of what I'm preaching. Is there anything too hard for God? If you saw her in hospice like Pastor Allen did, you'd say there's no way she'll ever go to church again. So you explain it. You can't. And her name's Samantha. She needs our prayers. She's got a long way to go. But she wanted to get to church on Sunday. She was in a lot of pain. And it's uncomfortable for her to be here. So shame on us. When we come to church feeling good, we complain about it being too hot or too cold. Because I do that. Pastor Allen, if you want to share something, share it. But just pray, close the service. <clears throat> As I told uh, Pastor Nathan on Sunday, Brother Mark, it was obvious that just in a few hours, Samantha was going to be with the Lord. But God, in His love and wisdom that we don't understand, raised her up and Sunday she was here. And she told us in that room before she had to leave that I will be back Sunday. And we look at that and we say, why or how? But we know that the Lord's in charge and is anything too hard? But we know that it's just like your mother. I've been thinking about that. It wouldn't have been hard for him to cause something to leak that blood out and raise her up. But she's healed today. And the joy that we have, Kim, is that we're going to see her.
and every one of us here tonight have somebody like that that we miss, Brother David. But one day, we're going to all be together with Him for all eternity. And just remember, Is anything impossible? No. We look for it. And Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for this service. Thank you for the burden of Pastor Nathan and all the scriptures, all the what he's told us and taught us here tonight. Lord, we're so thankful that we have you. And you know those years between our lives. You know those 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. Sometimes those years are hard. But... We have the faith to know that you know all about us and you know about those years in between. And Father, this evening we thank you for this time together. Lord, we're thankful for those next door, the teens and the children that has heard your word tonight. Lord, may you touch their hearts touch their lives of our children and our grandchildren and those that are coming behind us. Help us to show them what you do. And Father, we pray for those who are away, those in Mississippi, we pray that you give them safety as they travel back Maybe in the weather on Friday. Lord, we pray that you'd bring us back here on Sunday. And Lord, we love you tonight. And we thank you for loving us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.